0: Hey
1: everybody and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Jason Lipschutz and I'm an associate editor and the Pop Shop blog editor of Billboard.com. Based in New York, on the other line in Los Angeles is the Andre to
2: my Hakeem, Keith Caulfield. How's it going, Keith? I'm good. You're the cookie to my whatever Terrence Howard's name is in Empire. (laughs) The cookie to your Lucius. Yeah. man. Did you
1: start watching yet?
2: Nope. Oh, come on. I know. I, I it's suck. the
1: The season, The season. by the time people are going to hear this, the season finale of Empire will have already aired. I and everyone
2: died in a terrible plane crash in Moldavia.
1: <laughs> no, why'd you spoil it? Uh, oh, Keith. Uh, how's it going, man? Happy huh? Happy Pop Shop Podcast Day. Yes, yes. It's, oh, happy day. We're going to be talking about Empire, of course. Uh, as long as well as Madonna we're going to be talking about a whole mess of other stuff including Kendrick Lamar the Hot 100 Uptown Funk Mumford and Sons Jason Derulo Ariana Grande and of course we have to talk about this Natalia Kills Willie Moon X Factor New Zealand thing before we get started a couple housekeeping notes if you like the show give us a rating or review on iTunes it helps our stats immensely subscribe to the show on iTunes so you never Miss an episode. And if you have any questions for us, give us a follow on Twitter. Hit us up. I am at Jason Lipschutz. He is at Keith underscore Caulfield. Keith, are you ready to go, man? Si, senor. All right. So let's start with the Billboard 200. You've been, I, I feel like you have been writing about this week's Billboard 200 chart for like hours, or at least reporting on it for hours because it was so close between the Empire soundtrack, the season one soundtrack, I should say and Madonna's new album, Rebel Heart, and Keith, it, it went down to the wire, and wh- which one came out on top? Which, which
2: one came out on top? Well, the Empire soundtrack is number one on the Billboard 200 album start this week. Uh, It is the first TV soundtrack to debut at number one since back in 2010 when three different Glee albums, which also happened to be on Fox TV, which airs Empire, uh, debuted at number one. Uh, So yeah, it did, um, I think it was uh, 130,000 units in its first week. Um, So that's pretty pretty great considering that um, I I think people were not expecting it at least, certainly a couple of weeks ago, we're not expecting this this album to be in the mix for number one. I yeah. think people thought maybe it was going to be Madonna versus Luke Bryan. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a it was a it's a phenomenon that Empire that Empire range just won't stop. Yeah, so let
1: let's let's start there. Actually, let's start with Empire and how that estimation kind of kept growing. I mean, you just said yourself it wasn't initially expected to be number one. So did did this just
2: keep selling well and and Keep devouring units as the week went on? Basically, yeah. I mean, um, I I think a couple weeks ago, the the chatter was, oh, you know, Madonna versus Luke. And Empire wasn't really in the mix. And then shortly before the album came out, uh, industry forecasters um, looked at how well it was doing, the trend, its pre-orders, and thought, "Oh, oh, wow, this actually has a shot um and then once the album actually came out its forecast was about one hundred and twenty-five thousand, um as was madonna's um so the day after both these albums came out so on march 11th uh the day after march 10th which was the release date they were both forecasted to about 125 um by the end of the week by friday they were both still in the running for number one but you know, because of how the chart is compiled, because it's an a overall equivalent album units chart, it's yeah. it's kind of like a wild card. It's kind of it, it's more difficult to forecast because um, there's a lot of moving targets, and also because Empire is such like a phenomenon. Like you know, maybe the album would perform stronger over the weekend when people are doing their shopping. You know, because the TV show was on earlier in the week. Maybe 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 lots of things. So once the weekend was finished with, I think people. Um, you know, by Monday, we're saying that Empire was probably going to do it, and uh, Madonna was going to end up in uh, second place. Uh, so that is what happened. Um, there you go.
1: There you go. So
2: it, it's funny because a lot of people
1: have point out, pointed out that Rebel Heart actually outsold the Empire soundtrack just in terms of actual physical copy, or not physical copies, but actually just album sales purchased. Yeah. But because the Billboard 200 doesn't just digest albums that way anymore empire's number one i mean keith to me this is like a battle of old school versus new school and i i i say old school when i refer to madonna in with the utmost respect but i I say it because you know rebel heart it's gotten positive reviews but it doesn't have a hit we talked about that last week living for love hasn't cracked the hot 100 and people were people who bought this album rebel heart are madonna fans, madonna diehards and and people who can expect greatness from madonna just because of that old school track record. Meanwhile, the new school of empire, I mean no nobody had seen an episode of the show at the beginning of 2015, but it's become such a phenomenon over the past couple months that people are invested in it and you know over 100,000 copies sold in its first week.
2: Yeah, I mean as you said, uh, Madonna's album sold more in terms of traditional album sales than empire um in terms of sales um it was a little bit more you know cut and dry you know rebel heart did um 116,000 copies whereas the empire soundtrack did 110,000 so then yeah. you you know, you immediately wonder well how did empire do 130,000 units and how did you know madonna do one hundred and twenty-one thousand units, and and the difference is you have to factor in streaming equivalent album units and track equivalent album units. and and I'm this is the first I think I've explained this before a long time ago, but I need to explain it because I'm sure there's probably people listening, more people listening than normal, wondering how did this happen. And I explained it in in detail in my story that posted on Tuesday night, but perhaps you haven't listened, you haven't read that story. So if you're just joining us. <laughs> what you do is you take album sales. Album sales are one to one. That's simple. So, you know, uh, Madonna has 116,000 copies sold. She has 116,000 album sale units. That's simple. Then it gets um more complicated. You have to look at all the songs on the album and how they streamed and sold individually over the course of the week. And then for every 1500 streams From the album, that counts as one unit. And then for every 10 tracks sold from the album, that counts as one unit. So when you look at how Rebel Heart and Empire did in terms of the streaming and track equivalent album units, Empire, because of its hit singles, you know, like You're So Beautiful and Conqueror, Mm -hmm. actually had 17,000 units just from track sales and another 3000 from streaming equivalent albums. Madonna on the other hand only had 4000 in tracks and 1000 in streams. Um, and as I noted in my story, you know, Empires had Hot 100 hits already. You know, those are those are legitimate yeah. hit songs that are actually getting embraced um, streaming tracks and actually some airplay. Madonna none of the songs from the album has actually charted on the Hot 100 yet. That's fairly notable because she's never had a studio album, at least since her first album, um, arrive without a single on the chart. Um, the song, I think, spent one week on our mainstream top forty airplay chart, which is known as pop songs on Billboard.com, um, because it had sort of one week of concentrated um, uh, promotion from Clear Channel, um, well, iHeart Media. Um it yeah. was kind of a, a one week phenomenon, so you know when you when you add up the overall popularity of the album because that 's what the billboard two hundred chart is now it 's a popularity chart exactly. It used to be just a sales based chart about album sales, and last December it transitioned to become a popularity chart, a consumption chart um so you know she is the second most popular album of the week. however, she is number one on our top album sales chart and she can uh uh celebrate the fact that she has the top selling album of the week in the united states um so that's still pretty cool <laughs> um, yeah, that is pretty cool and this is actually the second time um, that we've had uh, an instance where the top selling album was not the number one album on the billboard 200 chart um, the the first time it happened was like I think two, like a month and a half ago when the the latest Now compilation now that's what yep. I call music was the top selling album but it was like number two or number three on the Billboard 200 because Taylor Swift uh, was number one on the overall popularity chart because she had such strong track sales you know with with her many hit singles so uh, there you go a long explanation about why Madonna's number two and Empire's number one on the billboard 200
1: keith we got to move on to what will likely be the number one album in the country next week which is kendrick lamar's sophomore album to pimp a butterfly it came out on sunday night at around midnight uh about one week ahead of time but let's just start there keith i mean is is this are we just living in the age where every major album release is going to be something of a surprise album release i mean he it, it was First, it was sort of a surprise because he was like, hey, like a couple weeks ago, he was like, "Hey, my new album's done. It's coming out in two weeks." So everyone got excited about that, and then a week later, he's like, "Hey, here's my album. Well, did it's, it, it's all done
2: now?" Humor me. I, I I know I should know this, but what's the real reason why it came out when it did? Just because it, it leaked a couple days beforehand?
1: That is a fantastic question, and you know, Andrew <laughs> Flanagan, <laughs> no, 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 no one knows it's, the answer it's it's a very complicated answer and Andrew Flanagan and I believe Jim Aswad of both of uh the Billboard com crew, or the Billboard crew I should say, go really go into detail on Billboard.com and we'll link to that story. I, I don't I don't wanna kinda bungle their whole entire explanation, but what I assume what the gist of it was that, you know, it was it was a surprise release in the sense that it was supposed to come out and then it came out, but only in the edited version and then a couple hours later the whole thing was out and then it was removed from iTunes and then it came back on iTunes it was down on Spotify it was he was hidden on Spotify it was it, it just seemed like a little bit of a miscommunication issue but you know it only lasted a couple hours now the album is obviously out it's everyone kind of
2: knew when it came out so we don't know why they actually released it early because it's supposed to come out next Tuesday
1: yeah no but I think I think it was planned that's what I'm saying
2: Oh, you think that it was planned to be like surprise digital yeah a week I, I think beforehand. I think the I think the lo- there was a little
1: miscommunication in terms of the launch itself oh okay, like in terms of like getting everything up and then making sure everything was up anyway anyway,
2: well, notably, I checked Target.com today and it's not available on target though it is available at Amazon and Best Buy and Walmart, so that's interesting that mm. um target seemingly isn't selling the album i will find out more information about that and we'll let people on billboard.com know if we get any information about that until
1: then keith so you do not have an album sales projection for to pimp a butterfly which by the way is an amazing album i've listened to it probably five or six times in full right now we're taping this on wednesday and I am so impressed by, by what's going on with this album and, and just the depth and expansiveness of Kendrick's words, and a lot of people seem to feel the same way as I, as I do. So, Keith, is this looking like a number one debut?
2: You know, I don't... I mean, I literally don't have any sort of forecast at all, not for the lack of trying. Is that the right phrase? Um, not for the sake of trying. Anyway, you get the idea. I've tried, Um I assume that I'll have a forecast by the time people are listening to this podcast on Thursday. So this could be all old news. But right now, right right now, I don't have one. I think the assumption is that it'll be number one. But again, last week, we were assuming lots of things about who was going to be possibly number one as well. So, hey, who knows?
1: It'll be interesting. Uh, obviously, Good Kid, Mad City, his debut album sold over 200,000 copies in yep. its first 241 week. 241 first week. Yep. Two- Uh, and it was right behind an album that came out at the same time as it read by Taylor Swift which was number one that week back in 2012 um yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens with this album obviously Kendrick's a a huge name in hip-hop and in music in general this is a definitely more um not as as radio friendly album I'll, I'll say that much as Good Kid Mad City and Obviously, I was was um, a, a big look from this album, but it does not appear in the single version on the album. It has a live version on the album, uh, which is pretty which is pretty cool to think about in a song that won two Grammys. He's like, ah, we, we don't need the single version on this album. And anyway, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this album, especially I, I'm assuming it's going to have a big first week, but where it goes from there. So, Keith. I want to take a moment to touch upon a cool story that was on Dober.com. Uh, I believe earlier this week on Tuesday about Nicki Minaj and a chart record she scored. Now, Keith, you have that chart record in front of you?
2: Mm, I can in like a second. Well, I will... <laughs> as um, you Nikki do Minaj, I will, she's amazing what she does with our charts it's really fascinating unbelievable. I'm, I'm, unbelievable. I'm totally totally being lame here um,
1: as you do that I'm gonna say it <laughs> four songs in the top ten of the mainstream
2: R&B hip hop airplay chart um, she's the first she's the first female artist to chart four songs simultaneously in the top ten of the mainstream R&B hip hop airplay chart um Pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, Feeling Myself, Each and Beyonce goes 11 to 10. Um, That's the song that helps her, you know, set the record. Um, Two men have previously achieved the feat. Lil Wayne did it um, in 2008. First time he did it was in 2008. And then Drake did it in 2011. Um, They've each also had um, four top, you know, four four concurrent top tens in multiple weeks. Um, Yeah. And it's funny because
1: one of the songs that is in that top 10 this week, only by Nicki Minaj featuring
2: Lil Wayne and Drake. Yeah. And Chris Brown. It's just a Young Money Cash Money uh, world that we're living in. You know, what this basically says is if you turn on, uh, you know, your sort of local uh, mainstream R&B hip hop station, like that plays hip hop on the regular, you're probably going to hear Nicki Minaj a couple (laughs) times an hour like at this rate um, because you're going to hear truffle butter. You're going to hear feeling myself. Um, uh, It's, it's yeah.
1: It's yeah. I mean, and we, and we talked about Nicki Minaj a ton at the end of last year when Anaconda was a number two hit on the hot 100 when the print, the pink print sold really well. But I mean, this kind of speaks to the ubiquity of Nicki Minaj on hip hop radio right now. She is just dominating in a way that no other female has in, in, The history of the genre—it's—it's—it's kind of mind-blowing to me. I—I mean, I'm—I'm glad we—we pointed this out on a story, in a story on bilber.com Check that out right now. So, Keith, yep. Let's move on to the Hot 100. Uptown Funk—it won't—it won't won't stop, man. That uptown funk—it—it just keeps going and going.
2: It—it's never heading downtown. It's just always staying uptown. It's it's never—it's never going downtown. It's never going down to the West Village. It's always going uptown.
1: To that Upper East Side of the charts. It is number one this week again for its 11th straight week. Meanwhile, a couple spots below it, Sam Smith is back in the top 10. And I got to ask about this, man, because so Lay Lay Me Down is the latest single from his In the Lonely Hour album. And it rockets number 58 to number 8. This yep. week, and I know that a new rendition of this song with John Legend came out. Obviously, and that's the that's reason why it
2: goes in the top ten.
1: So yes. th- is that that's solely the reason why?
2: Basically, yeah. I mean, the the uh, the song had, in terms of overall Hot 100 points, it was up by like thirteen thousand points just in sales uh, because they released the new uh, John Legend uh, collaboration version uh, last week. Um, I mean, it's also up in terms of streams and radio, but really the reason why it's in the top 10 is because of the newly commercially available, uh, collaboration version.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, obviously Sam Smith is just scoring hot 100 hits left and right, but this is, I mean, it's, it seems very rare for a song that's been out for months to, I mean, to point out that it goes from number 58 all the way up 50 spots to number eight i mean obviously john legend is is a big name but it's well, really you know, really I mean, striking
2: it's, it's uh you know it's it, this is now his f- fourth top 10 single for sam smith yep. um was latch on in the lonely hour i, I can't remember the, uh no no okay so this is the third top 10 single then from in the lonely hour sam smith's album and keep in mind the john legend collaboration uh, you know one it's going to get a lot of attention just because it's sam smith and john legend two the collaboration was done for comic relief red nose day in england That's true. That's which is true. a huge deal over there and certainly both smith and legend would have generated a lot of press and publicity and very uh, and would have activated their fan bases quite aggressively over the past week um, not just, you know, in England, but certainly around the world. So, you know, when you have two of the biggest artists come together for a collaboration like this that has a charitable aspect to it, that yeah. will certainly help sales and that's why it jumps in the top ten.
1: Also in the top ten this week, man, I I'm so happy and I we don't really have time to talk about this, but Fetty Wop, Trap Queen, is in the top ten of the hot one hundred this week. It's Trap Queen is in the top ten of the hot one hundred, man. I'm I've been on this song for a while I, I admittedly I, I'm a little bit late to it because it, it was kind of a, a thing last year but I've been I've loved this song since like January
2: No, it's happening right now It's in the top ten so yeah you know it's it's the hot 100 is telling you it's happening right now so you're actually on time I am on time yes yeah. love it uh, a
1: little further down the chart you're like Ja Rule
2: and, and Shanti you're always on time <laughs> yeah no? no
1: not always there when you call right but you know I'm always on time yeah so anyway.
2: Keith sorry Jason go
1: ahead we got a couple of debuts. Mumford and Sons are back on the Hot 100. New single "Believe," the first single from their third album "Wilder Mind." Debuts at number 31 on the Hot 100. I, so, Keith, I, I I pointed this out in our notes. What is what is
2: Mumford and Sons' highest charting Hot 100? I hit will today? wait. I will number 12. Um, okay back in 2013 and that was also their highest debuting single up until this week it debuted at 23 and uh then months later it jumped to number 12 i think it was after the grammy awards after it won after they won album of the year i will wait jumped up to number 12 its peak um so this is their um second highest debut on the hot 100 so bodes well for the uh, forthcoming album that's coming out uh, I don't know relatively soon I should know the release date off the top of my head May yeah
1: first week of May it'll be huge
2: it's Mumford
1: it's huge it's Mumford can't stop that Mumford train so uh, a little bit lower number 45 Jason Derulo is back with Want to Want Me huge his new single does a pretty strong debut there Um, a little bit higher going back uh, so I I wanted to point out that Ariana Grande's One Last Time and Nick Jonas's Chains are both now in the top 20 of the Hot 100. They've been very quickly rising up the Hot 100 chart and now are in the top 20. So, Keith, I, I wrote something on Tuesday about what's going to be the song of the spring. Hmm. And, you know, we have a, hot, uh, uh, a song on the summer chart here at, at Billboard.com. It starts on Memorial Day, ends on Labor Day, tracking what's going to be the... Song of the summer, but song of the spring. It's it's not a, really a thing, but it's it's always kind of interesting. But you're going to try me, to make because, it a thing, so you know it's not even that I'm going to try to make. I, I just thought it was kind of a fun thing because it, you think about some some you know huge memorable hits on the Hot 100 that have happened in the spring. I mean, last year, Pharrell's "Happy" basically dominated the Hot 100 throughout the entirety of the spring. It, it ended up being the number one song on the year-end Hot 100 in 2014. A couple, you know, going back a decade or so. Usher's Yeah, which was a monster hit, actually wasn't a monster summer hit, it was a monster spring hit. So Keith, I gave a list of of 10 songs that have a chance to dominate the spring uh, on the Hot 100 chart, because it seems like, you know, Uptown Funk probably won't be number one through April, May. You never know, but I mean, that's what I would guess. And it's kind of a wide open field. do you do, what do you think, man? do do you have any kind of uh, opinion on what is going to be the next number one and, and what's gonna stay number one for a little
2: while? Oh golly gee, um <laughs> um, I just think it's cute that we're trying to make songs at the spring a thing, but you know, I always think songs in the summer is like a goofy thing. Cause you know, it's just a season, Oh, it's fun, but it has a nice alliteration to it. So we go with yeah. it. Hey, songs of the spring, songs of the summer, songs of the fall, songs of the winter, um, has a nice ring to it. I can, I think I'm a, I, I'm going to be a singer. Um, Certainly, Nick Jonas's Chains, you know, I mean, that's a surprise hit. I mean, that was the first single from his album, and then it didn't really do anything, and then Jealous came out, and Jealous, you know, became the hit, and they go back to Chains, and Chains is clinking its way up the chart, so who knows? Yeah. Maybe that's a good one. Sense, like Certainly, The Zedd um, and Selena Gomez, I want you to yeah. to know. I think has a pretty great shot. Certainly, the, the the Mumford track is already off to a red hot start. Oh, interesting. Um, I think the Jason Derulo track is is one to watch for because he, he his last album generated um, so many hits. Um, Talk dirty and you know, obviously was the one that everyone remembers. This song is off to a great start. Um, those are three immediately that come to mind. Um, and then, you know, you have something, you know, something that you're not even thinking of, like maybe, you know, Carly Rae Jepsen, you know, um, could sort of build a radio story and, and head up the chart with her new single, I Really Like You. Um, I think there's a lot of songs that could be the song of the spring, Jason.
1: Yeah, you mentioned a lot. You touched upon a lot. I'm sorry. That I, Too I many? That no, no, no. I, 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 I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page because I mentioned the Zed and Selena Gomez song, Carly Rae Jepsen. Uh, the Nick Jonas song, the, the two that I think have the best shot are, first of all, you, you can't underestimate Taylor Swift at this point. Style is already a top 10 hit and it, it is, was preceded by two number one songs, Blank Space and Shake It Off. So, you know, you can't really count that out as a song in the spring. I think the song that's going to be everywhere this spring is already a top five hit in the Hot 100. It's going to be Sugar by Maroon 5. It, it's
2: uh, peaked, I believe, at number three. Um, but, might now, be, but now it's charting thanks to that new it has some help from that Nicki Minaj remix Exactly
1: yeah and it just it just seems like this is it just feels like a spring song it's it just it's easy to re- imagine i mean it's a fun upbeat kind of discoy uh soul kind of song it just seems like you know it it seems like even the Maroon 5 haters are on board with this song. I mean, people, I, I've read a lot of, you know, just a lot of reviews of this. It's so easy to this. hate them sometimes, you know? It is super easy to hate Maroon 5, and but I've I've read, like, album reviews of, of 5 and, you know, a lot of, you know, internet comments and Twitter comments and stuff just being like, yeah, you know, Maroon 5, but Sugar's actually a pretty good song. So I, I, I think that it's gonna, I think that it's gonna be there in the spring. So, Keith, yep. before we get to your chart side of the week, yes, uh, let's talk about Mar- Natalia Kills. <laughs> And
2: Willie Moon, and X Factor New Zealand, our favorite little-known artists.
1: <laughs> so before we tape, before we started taping this, uh, about an hour uh, before we started taping this, I asked Keith if he had seen the clip of Natalia Kills berating X Factor New Zealand contestant Joe Irvine. And I've written
2: about this all week, but you have not. You've not seen the clip yet, have mm, you? No, I started to watch the first few seconds, and I don't really like watching people. Uh, screamed at, or made fun of, or told that they suck. I mean, sure. I I never watched Jerry Springer in the '90s. I didn't like those talk shows. I don't want to watch Judge Judy berating someone. Um, I even always cringed when I used to watch old reruns of Three's Company, where like there was an embarrassing moment that like you know Chrissy felt stupid. So I don't like this kind of. You're a positive guy. I I don't. I just don't want to go there. And I like. I don't. I don't need more negativity in my life, especially coming from you know, some, a pop star berating someone because they think they're unoriginal. But you tell me more. I mean, it's just such a weird thing. So
1: so it was Sunday afternoon and I was- Picture it. Sunday Picture afternoon. Picture it. It's Sunday afternoon and I was in a clothing store <laughs> with my fiance. She was uh, picking out some stuff and I was waiting for her. So we were I had a pair of
2: socks in my hand, and <laughs> I was that.
1: No, I. I Natalia I Kills' get, I was, mirror
2: was playing on the loudspeaker, <laughs> and in the and gap that I was in. The
1: wind. The wind blew, and I knew something was wrong. No, no. I. So I. I was sitting in this in this clothing store, and and not trying on any, anything. I don't you love when you're in a clothing store and they have seats for for <laughs> someone that. Is not buying anything to sit on and and wait for the other person i hate clothing stores that don't have chairs for you know if it you know say you go with like your friend and your your friend is like oh let me give me like 10 minutes i want to try on some stuff you want to sit down like i, I don't want to stand around so anyway so i'm sitting down in this clothing store mm-hmm. and i'm like you know looking through twitter and i see this link to like natalia kills like oh my goodness natalia kills went off on this guy on on x-factor new zealand and i was just like i, I don't know why i clicked on it but i was just like you're like wow curious.
2: natalia kills has a tv gig in new zealand really? i had no idea so she's here a judge things, on the x-factor here are,
1: <laughs> wow here are things i here are things i didn't know about natalia kills before sunday i did not know that she was a judge on x-factor new zealand no one did except
2: for the four and a half million people maybe that live in new zealand
1: and i didn't know that she was married to willie moon yeah that Willy i didn't moon, know either <laughs> <laughs> Willie Moon is this kind of uh, throwback pop artist who wears suits and always slicks back his hair. He, he's most famous because in 2013, I believe, yeah, it was it was either late 2012 or early 2013. His song "Yeah Yeah" was featured in an Apple an Apple iPod commercial, which is uh, you know not as big of a deal as it was in 2006. But, but he's, he's more popular
2: overseas, right? Like in England or something. Like uh, I think, sort no? of. Not- yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was a bigger hit. Oh, it, was, it wasn't a Hot 100 hit here, but it was a bigger hit. I believe it reached number 26 in the UK. So, it, I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay.
2: He's a,
1: he's a thing. So, anyway, so for those who haven't seen the video, and I I promise you it's, it's worth it to watch. It's, it's a minute and a half. So, they're on the exit, and they're both, I should say, Willie Moon and Natalia Kills are both, were both. Judges on X Factor New Zealand It was a husband-wife duo uh, as judges And then there's two other judges And one of the other judges by the way Is Melanie Blatt, a former member of All Saints So that's a little fun
2: fact That's actually a lot, that's fairly legitimate All Saints was a huge UK girl group That had a lot of hit singles there Hell
1: yes So there's this contestant on X Factor New Zealand Named Joe Irvine And he performs Wearing a suit and tie and slicked back hair. And Natalia Kills begins her criticism of the performance by saying, I'm going to state the ob- obvious. We have a doppelganger in our midst. And then she kind of completely flies off the handle about how Joe Irvine has photocopied the style of her husband, Willie Moon. And she calls it embarrassing. She calls it, she said that, um, you know, it's atrocious, and she just totally lays into this guy. And then Willie Moon is actually worse. He co- he comes in and says that it's creepy and absurd, and that he feels like, and I'm paraphrasing here, he feels like Joe Irvine is going to stitch someone else's skin on his face and kill everyone in the audience. He actually He actually said those words. Yeah, they knew what they were doing. So... It's just the weirdest story, and I and it's so funny because like I, I saw it on Sunday afternoon in this clothing store, and I watched it. I was like, "This is the weirdest thing ever." And I I I emailed a couple people on on the Billboard team about it. I was like, "I don't know if anyone will care about this, but I think it's super interesting." And it, especially because Willie Moon, like to to so you know be so sure of yourself and so secure in the fact that you are sure that this contestant is ripping off Willie Moon's style by wearing a suit and tie and slicked back hair is so crazy to me it's like who is Willie Moon to have these people worship at the altar of Willie Moon and copy his style and it it's just and and I and I wrote about this on Monday but like the fact that the The most absurd thing to me is that it's on. It was on the X Factor. The X Factor is a show based on copying other famous artists. It's like your it's cover songs. That's what it is. But like, I guess it's okay for all of these contestants to sing cover songs, but not dress up like another artist. I don't. I, it's. It was so 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 bizarre, and obviously it, it went viral, and. Natalia Kills and Willie Moon within 24 hours of the taping they were fired from the show and I just think and what's crazy is you know all week uh, it's been such a big story all week I mean music stars have been reacting to this Ed Sheeran tweeted at Joe Irvine saying you know offering his support Ellie Golding and Calvin Harris kind of ripped Natalia Kills and Willie Moon on social media and then on um, on I believe Monday or Tuesday, well earlier in the week, it, it uh Joe Irvine posted a photo of a box of cupcakes that Lord sent him and an encouraging note from Lord. That it, uh, we did get a confirmed that it was from Lord. Lord did send cupcakes. I mean, I I know I I say all this to you Keith, knowing that you haven't watched the video, but this is it's just such the, it's the weirdest story. Like I feel like 2015 is going to be a battle of what was the weirder story this or the iggy azalea papa john's feud i but it's only march man and we have some weird stories going on in the music
2: world take notes people it only gets weirder (laughs) but now you know who natalia kills is aren't you glad about that aren't you happy that you found out who natalia kills and willie moon is aren't you good i mean isn't this great thing like you found out who she is and now you can go listen to her music. You've never now, had this opportunity until this week when you found so out
1: that she wasn't very nice. Are you, are you suggesting that this was kind of a publicity stunt?
2: Um no, I from what the little bit I've read it seems like and we're we're dragging this on. So in the 15 second version is from what I've read it seems like that she is a very sort of unique and interesting colorful artist who has had a lot of sort of trials and tribulations in the past. So I would not be surprised if the producers of the X factor kind of knew what they were getting when they booked her on the show. Um, They probably didn't expect her to be that fly off the handle and didn't expect the stitching someone's face onto someone else comments from Willie. Um, But I think they probably knew that they were going to get someone that could be, um, you know, controversial um. Yeah. also point to ponder she has a co-writing credit on Madonna's new album Rebel Heart she does indeed mm-hmm. holy water right yeah it's the one that um she co-wrote with Martin Kirzabom who runs Cherry Tree Records which is the label that she's on in America which her label mate is Ellie Goulding in America and Ellie Goulding said something about this whole uh, discourse on Twitter as well but then she swiftly well, deleted her tweet well I got news for you man Uh, Natalia Kills
1: is no longer on Cherry Tree what yeah, really. I, I think that was before the X Factor thing. But her uh, her last album, Trouble, didn't do that well. She is no longer affiliated with the label in the U.S. When did
2: you have that confirmed? I mean, I, I when we were when I thought when we interviewed Martin for the podcast, uh, he said that she was still on the label and she was working on new music. No longer working with her. Oh. Um, you're, yeah. you're like, I have found that out in the past few days that she is not on Cherry Tree. Is what you're saying? <laughs> is what you're telling me? At some point Indeed. in the recent past, she is no longer on Cherry Tree in America. It's very true. Wow. All
1: right, man. We uh, we got to wrap this up. Uh, thanks for indulging my Natalia Kills Willie Moon. I, I can't be- We're going to have to edit
2: that down. Seriously.
1: No, no, no. But it's time, it's time, man, for your chart set of the Week.
2: Hey, so this week in 1983, super songwriter Diane Warren charted her first hit on the Billboard Hot 100 with Laura Branigan's Solitaire. Um, Warren adapted the song, which was originally in French, uh, into English, um, and the chart uh, and the song debuted on the March 19th, 1983 uh, Hot 100 chart. Warren, of course, um, went on to become one of the most successful pop songwriters ever on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, charting literally literally dozens of top 10 singles like when i see you smile by bad english millie vanilli's Blame It on the rain uh, taylor dane's love will lead you back um O.G. Oh, Wiz, whiz celine dion's if you asked me to and then you know such i don't know you may have heard of these number ones aerosmith's yeah. i don't want to miss a thing brandy's have you ever tony braxton's unbreak my heart Oh, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, Also notable, Warren has also been nominated for seven Academy Awards for Best Original Song, including a nod this year for Grateful from Beyond the Lights. So there you go. There's your chart set of the week. This week in 1983, one of the most successful songwriters on the Hot 100 ever, Diane Warren, debuted on the chart. Boom. Love it, man. Thank you for your
1: charts out of the week.
0: All
1: right. That is going to do it for us at the Pop Shop Podcast. Tune in next Thursday and every Thursday uh, morning on com. We're also on iTunes. And once again, if you never want to miss an episode of the Pop Shop Podcast. I don't want so just... to
2: miss a podcast. I don't
1: want to close, close my, my ears i don't want to miss jason's i don't want to miss your podcast cuz i miss babe miss
2: it. um sorry <laughs> and that's the, that's our outro music everyone
1: <laughs> um yeah we'll see you next week and here is i don't want to miss the thing the actual song that we were singing to lead us out thanks for listening and take care
0: The